you're used to seeing something and something you see every single day and you go out and you see like all the businesses close and then months later you see the city pretty much destroyed it kind of like lit a fire under me to try to bring it back welcome to forward with nacy inspiring entrepreneurial action a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs entrepreneurial leaders and the communities that support us we hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration, inspires you to take action, and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together. Welcome to this episode of Forward with NACI. I'm Rebecca Corbin, President and CEO of NACI, the National Association for Community College Entrepreneurship. And I'm coming to you from our offices in Cary, North Carolina, where we Lease Space from Wake Tech. And my guest today, Julian Jacobs, is in our Airfluence Partner Studio in Raleigh. So uh, welcome this morning, Julian. How are you doing today? Good. It's I'm not really a morning person, so I didn't get my coffee this morning. So oh. I'm a little tired, <laughs> well, but I'm you doing will good. Be. <laughs> the older you get. My grandmother always said that, and it's it's sure to be true. But it's great to meet you. We had a conversation uh, last week where I got a chance to know you a little bit. And I'm really excited to dive in because I know your story is really the story that NACI likes to tell of everyday entrepreneurs everywhere and, and really how your career has developed with some positive influence from Wake Tech, which is exciting um, and other things. So why don't you begin? You can wake yourself up <laughs> and tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, tell us, you know, how did you get um, to the place you are uh, today. And, and we can get a little bit more into some of the business things that you're doing uh, in a few minutes. Sure. Uh, so I'm from Trenton, New Jersey. Lived in New Jersey, went to elementary school in Pennsylvania, moved to Virginia, and then in high school moved to Raleigh. After high school, I took a semester off and then went to culinary school at Wake Tech. Did that program for two and a half or three years. And then started working in the culinary field as a like line cook at first and as a chef. And then I went to a local bakery and worked there for about five years. Worked at the Red Hat building, kind of kind of a nomad, just working as many different places as I could. That's great. And let's mm. stop there for a second, because one of the things you and I discussed and that we spend a lot of time talking about uh, in Nacy's world is really the wide array of career opportunities in culinary. And I know you're not doing that yeah. now, but maybe share with us just because you spent a lot of years in that industry. What were some some of the things that you saw as kind of entrepreneurial opportunities that, you know, maybe your friends and coworkers maybe decided to pursue? Uh, well, with the culinary field, you kind of have to be like each station, you're the boss of that station. So you have to learn a lot of good skills like Time management, you know, prep, making sure that food's not going out of date, checking things like you have to make a giant list and complete your whole list for your station. So you kind of gain those entrepreneurial skills like while you're working. A lot of people don't kind of realize that. Uh, so I've seen people like they left the kitchen, open up their own bars, open up their own restaurants, small sandwich shops. A lot of people like me who have left the culinary industry like in total but they still use a lot of those skills that they learned in the kitchen, working and kind of being their own boss in, in the kitchen. Right. And I, it strikes me, you really have to understand math 
right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, from at least from my limited understanding, there's a, a a low margin. Like you really have to be careful, like, you know, keep track, like you said, of dates and and things you have to measure what you need because you could really eat into your profits if, if you all of a sudden are, are throwing away, you know, staples of yeah. food have to learn different languages, right? Uh, yeah, isn't that the essence sure. of culinary? I don't think a lot of people know that. Why don't you share a little bit uh, about that? I learned that at my community college when we opened up a culinary school and I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, you really have to be careful of how much you use, like over-serving when it comes over portions because um, things like that kind of, if you cut out like a steak a little too big and then all the steaks are too big, you kind of miss out on one whole steak, which is like $32 of profit. And then you kind of think like, okay, if I do that five times, that's $150 I'm missing in profit. So things like that, you have to be really careful about, really know like your percentages and food items and what you're making, weights, dates, sizes. Like you said, you have to learn different languages. Like I think most of the kitchens that I've worked in, at least 30% of the people have been Spanish or from a Spanish speaking country. So you don't really have to learn like full Spanish, but kind of like pick up on words, pick up on their habits so you can work together as a team. That's great. And and that's why I've always thought maybe not so much in the kitchen, although for entrepreneurship, it probably would be a great training ground for entrepreneurs on the other side of the house where you talk about like servers and waitresses that that was um my experience as a high school student in college is is serving as a, a waitress and you really learn about customers and yeah. kind of sometimes how challenging they can be but if you serve them well often you know you can do well like you get better tips you get better opportunities and I think that's something for people to really think about. Now, you made the decision, uh, as you told me before, um, you were thinking about going to Johnson & Wales and you decided to go to Wake Tech. So share with us why you made that decision and if you were happy that you did that. So I went to a program like junior year going into senior year of high school where you go to Johnson & Wales and you kind of take a small class, see how the kitchen is, the teacher's. So I did that for a weekend and then I visited Wake Tech and that culinary program and talking to all the teachers, they, I don't know, they just kind of seemed more like wanting to help the students more and like they're here for like, it's their passion to teach. Like they all seemed really inviting. They all told me basically that like you can go to Johnson Wells and spend 20, 30, 40K a year, or you can come here where it's like you live, you get the same education pretty much you learn the same skills. So I'd rather spend like 10K than the maybe 100K that I would have spent at Johnson & Wales, which I'm very happy now that I did. <laughs> I'm sure you did because <laughs> you're still a young person and you're not- I'd still be paying it all off for debt. sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with the college that I, I wasn't in the culinary program, I worked um, overseeing the foundation, but our our school that we opened, uh, we took trips up to the Culinary Institute of America to see what it looked like. And so, you know, what we had found is some of the instructors and chefs that we hired were trained there. So you, you're right. You actually got a, maybe a more hands-on program that worked for you, but you didn't have the, the heavy uh, price tag. And uh, for those folks who don't know, Wake Tech is, is the largest community college in North Carolina. It's got a great uh, reputation, great community. So, so 
So let's talk about, Julian, what you're doing now, because I, I feel really proud of you. I've not met you yet in person, but um, you are sort of the consummate uh, entrepreneur. You spent time in culinary. Tell everybody what you're doing, uh, what you're doing now. So after um, kind of towards the end of my culinary journey, I went back to Wake Tech for marketing, for business and marketing. I had one more semester left and, and then the pandemic hit. So that was my internship semester. So, and my internship ended early. So instead of doing that, I, well, I looked for internships all summer, like online internships, things like that. And I decided to just kind of start my own small business just as my internship and practice all the things that I learned. So I started thrifting with friends, started like a small, like clothing resale business, did pop-ups, things like that. Eventually um, did bigger pop-ups. I, when I realized that like, I could actually do this for a living. I um, was able to find a job that kind of fit like that schedule of being able to go look for clothes and go search, but also work and still like survive and pay my bills. Eventually that turned into me looking for a storefront. So I went to um, the downtown Raleigh Alliance and they have a program called the pop-up shops at Martin Street. I was the first one in that program. So I had like half of a store. It was full. I had to get insurance and employees and like learn all of that in like two, three months. So that was like a crash course. I did that and from Black Friday was my first day. And I did that until the end of April. And then we moved into the location we're at now, which is Unorthodox Vintage in downtown. So I uh, opened that with my business partner, Alexandria Taylor, She Thrifty Apparel. Shout out. <laughs> and then I've had this concept about bringing together like local businesses but in more of a mall slash like grocery store setting. There are some places called like Artist and Fleas Market in New York that have this concept where everyone pops up in one big building and then people can come and shop for jewelry or lotions, glasses, candles, a little bit of everything. And I really wanted to bring that to Raleigh. So then I started the borough in October. And that's kind of a pop-up mall. You can come down. We have chairs to hang out in, playing music. You can come shop. We have people down there that rent space out. So they kind of do their manufacturing down there too. So they're able to manufacture and sell in the same spot. There's about like six rooms and all the rooms are filled with just small local businesses trying to, trying to make it. No, it almost sounds like a little bit of a mini makerspace, right? Do you have, when you talk yeah. about manufacturing, what kinds of things do people make? Uh, so there's one person down there, the Frills. She upcycles like gold jewelry. So she goes and she thrifts for jewelry and then she finds it. She puts pieces together. She knows how to like break the links down, do all that stuff. Safe and sound rugs. My boy, Chris, he just, he's he tufts rugs. So he um, has a giant, like wooden structure and he just makes like rugs from everything from like custom pieces like anime characters to types of jorians to like just a little bit of everything ghost skills my friend caroline she uh, makes stickers she's an artist so she has her sticker press down there her sticker printer all of her stuff down there so she cuts out stickers she actually sells them at my store too so she kind of doubles up a little bit and we're currently looking for more people that want to use it as a workspace slash creative space. So we're 
That's great. Yeah. Well, hopefully some some people who are listening might that might pique their interest. So we'll we'll do that at the end so that people know how to get in touch with you. I'm curious, putting on my financial hat, what is the business model for something like that? Because you obviously have a rent to pay, you have a, you know utilities and things like that. Is it mm-hmm. does it operate somewhat like a co-op or like tell us you know how does how does that work out? So you're hopefully um, building up some equity and, and getting a little bit of you know profit for everybody that participates. Yeah. So when we started, we wanted to have like huge like pop-ups every weekend, like 12 to 14 people coming in, setting up tables. So about 16 to 18 counting the vendors that are already there. Mm -hmm. And I found that I am a good people manager, but it is very hard to manage like 12 to 18 people per week. So we've kind of changed to the vendor mall concept where we've bought a bunch of displays, things like that. And then we sell items on commission. So I've been like contacting vendors and they're bringing things in, leaving things. So we're kind of operating more as a retail store on the weekends than a pop-up market. And that's helped a lot. Like we didn't really advertise it this weekend, but just being open, like before we wouldn't, we would tell people like we have pop-ups and things like that, but they wouldn't know when to come to shop. You know, it was like, oh, like they might be having a pop-up today or they might be doing something. So we kind of switched to just being open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We always have retail. Like those three days, we're open. We're always here. We're going to be selling. And I think that people kind of understand the concept a little more than just having pop-ups and posting like when we're open. You know, I think that's a smart move because I, you know, the time that I've spent in economic development and a lot of times my my roles have sort of um, come up against that. And that that's a challenge with revitalization of, you know, urban areas is if there's not consistency when businesses or restaurants or even bars are open, people don't know, you know, they're not going to make a plan around it. So I think you're smart to, you know, learn that lesson. The other thing you, you talked to me a little bit about that I'd love for you to share with our audience is really your, your heart's desire to revitalize Fayetteville street. So perhaps you can tell us what is Fayetteville street, you know, what is it like now and what do you, what do you hope that it will become through, through folks like yourself that are starting businesses and doing very innovative things? Uh, So Fayetteville street is a street in downtown Raleigh. There's a lot of bars, a lot of, it's kind of a street that you would go out on like a Saturday afternoon or like hanging out, restaurants, bars, things to do. And I've lived in downtown for seven years and where I am now for five, which is one or two blocks away from Fayetteville Street. So I've seen it like packed with like during hopscotch and before the pandemic, like lines outside of the bars and everything and just lots of people out. There was like a real like culture and a real, um, I don't know, just a great scene, a great group of people behind Fayetteville Street. And then once the pandemic hit, a lot of the businesses closed because there are so many small businesses on Fayetteville Street compared to like other districts of of uh, downtown Raleigh. There were like riots during the George Floyd situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like just kind of seeing the city like smash to pieces and it kind of, I don't know, it kind of hit because you're used to seeing something and something you see every single day and you go out and you see like all the businesses close. And then months later, you see the city pretty much destroyed. It kind of like lit a fire under me to try to bring it back. A lot of the people that lived here, 
that would go out on Fayetteville Street like that. Like 2017, 2019, they were all like 26, 27, 28. And they all had like good jobs during the pandemic. A lot of people moved away, moved back home to different cities, things like that. So a lot of people left. And I kind of feel like it lost the identity that it once had. And there's a there's a great group of people, a great group of bars, a great group of business owners that are all trying to bring it back slowly. So we just kind of want to see it like thriving again. We want to see people out, see new concepts, see unique business ventures, uh, just kind of see this part of downtown thriving again. Wow, that's great. And it takes leadership, right? It takes people Mm -hmm. that are willing to, you know, take risks and form partnerships and really have that spirit of optimism. I I wanted to share with you, um, NACI, my uh, organization that I'm fortunate enough to work with and lead, we had our national conference in Minneapolis uh, a couple of years ago and had a chance to take our uh, community college, uh, you know, presidents, faculty, administrators from, you know, 40 plus states to George Floyd Square. And it was really a, a fascinating experience. And I think it connects to the work that you do because there was a young woman, she actually worked as a, a, an advisor for a college um, out in California. She grew up in the neighborhood where the George Floyd uh, uh, murder had occurred. And so she decided to come home and she shared with us that her form of activism, if you will, was preservation. So in that square where where something um, really awful, but catalytic occurred. She was building um, a memorial, but it was in, an interesting memorial because it had like little children would bring, you know, offerings of like their little, you know, truck. And then people would would plant plants and, and flowers, not a whole bunch of like dead flowers. It was something designed to to be alive. And and I, I think about her sometimes uh, and what she's trying to do. And in a similar way, I think you're you're trying to do sort of the same thing, you know, the, 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 the street and part of that city lost its vibe and a young person like yourself, um, who's, you know, looking really to build the American dream is making it better. So I want to really thank you for that. I know our time is running a little bit short, but I want to end with you telling us, you, you mentioned that you're, you're open on the weekends. So I want to find out like, what are the hours? Where is it? Because I'm going to actually try to get down there this weekend because I'm now I'm, I'm curious and have a, a good friend of my family who started another business called Disco Differences. She's a graduate student at UNC, but she works with people with disabilities and, and tries to, you know, sort of operate a vintage uh, shop. So I want to see kind of I've been to her pop ups and I want to see what yours is like. So tell us the hours, tell us the location, and then tell us maybe as a final thought, if we walk it through the door, what are we likely to experience at your place of so, work? Um, Unorthodox Vintage is open Tuesday through Sunday, 11 to 7 on uh, Tuesday through Saturday, and then 11 to 5 on Sunday. And then the borough is, the borough is kind of always open. We have yoga classes. We have some live music events during the week, but we are open for retail Friday through Sunday, two to seven right now on Fridays and then 12 to five on Sundays. So if you have any questions about when the borough is open, you can send us an email at theboroughnc.com. We try to, I don't know, we try to do kind of a, in the store, it's kind of, I describe it as like a whimsical bedroom. Like it's set up so you can shop obviously, but I feel like we want people to 
come in and see unorthodox and see like, oh, like this looks like my bedroom. I'm kind of thrifting for things. I'm finding things. I'm not just going to a shop. I'm actually having having an experience. And then the borough, I, I don't know, the borough's a vibe. Like the borough just to me kind of seems like very, it's in a basement. So it's very like basement New York, lots of brick. Just come and kind of learn and see what we're doing. We have a lot of stories. We have a lot of people that are passionate about what they do. And I think everyone that comes down and they see the space, they kind of get inspired to do something themselves. themselves. So just if you have an idea of anything, if you want to throw something or you want to have a small event, it's kind of the perfect place to kind of get inspired and see like, oh, I think I can throw something here. Oh, like, let me plan my first this there. So I don't know what to expect. Just come down and see what it's like. So it sounds to me like you have created two things, a great sense of community and an incubator of innovation, which is awesome. So better words than than I used. Yes, exactly. Great. That's awesome. And thank you. And I I credit, you know, Wake Tech and community colleges across the country for really um, creating great leaders like you. So Thank you to them as well. And we'll wish our audience a a great day. And if you're thinking about doing something new, and I know we have a lot of listeners in the the Triangle area, come see Julian and and kind of experience uh, what he has to offer um, on Fayetteville Street. So thank thank you. you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward, and success learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at NACI.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www dot nacyplaybook dot com